You are listening to the 9 to 5 Outsiders podcast with me, Usman Diallo, where you can learn tips and ideas on how to overcome the challenges of leaving your job to start your own business journey. If you are all about challenging the status quo and will not settle for average, then you have come to the right podcast. So if you are listening to this podcast right now, chances are you have student loan, credit card, or medical debts. As a matter of fact, for the first time in history, our nation has has a record of $1.5 trillion of student loan debt, leaving millions of Americans struggling to pay off their debt. That is why I've partnered with Mediator Debt Solutions, a company that specializes in helping thousands of people like you acquire financial debt relief by helping them resolve their student loan, credit card, medical, and other forms of unsecured debt. Mediator Debt Solution has helped thousands of people reduce their debt with 40% to 60% saving and become debt-free within two to three years. To learn more about your free consultation, go to www.phpdebtsolutions.com slash sm slash 12729 or click on the link in the episode's description details for your free consultation. Well, what's going on? What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome to another episode of uh, Facebook Friends Offline. And uh, I got another special guest for you guys. I got it. I got another special guest for you. So this is interesting because I, I've actually met him on uh, Instagram. You know, I've been following following him on Instagram for for a while now. You know, I know he's a CPA, and his name is Eric Pierre, right? So Eric's specialty is really you know helping people make Happy people make their money. Happy people make money work. Their money work for them. His yes. company is Eric Pierre Pierre Accounting, and he offers different services to individual and businesses. And basically, he's located in Austin, San Diego, Los Angeles, and uh, anything that has to do with tax preparation, tax planning, or bookkeeping. You know, Eric is is a person to talk to. So basically, anything that I, I, I like to tell people. Anything that's confusing about taxes, finance, you know, you know, you got you to find a CPA and Eric is the right CPA. So, Eric, it's a pleasure to have you here, man, on, on, the, on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you for uh, having me. Just, uh, you know, enjoying the weather here in Austin today. And yeah, um, I'm just looking forward to uh, doing this. So, absolutely. Awesome. 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 So, um, one of the things that we, we like to do here on the show when we have a guest for the first time, it's I kind of give everybody a description of who you are, a, a little bit of uh, your, your, your biography. But in your own word, who's Eric Pierre? <laughs> That's a great question because sometimes I don't even know who I am some days. But uh, so I'm Eric Pierre. I am a son of two uh, Haitian immigrants. I'm a first-generation American. I was born in Minneapolis. <clears throat> Uh, my father uh, is a CPA, but he was not a practitioner. Mm-hmm. He worked in the finance organization of oil and gas, and we got transferred to Houston. And uh, I grew up in Katy. Mm-hmm. I went to Katy High School, 
And while I was in high school, you know, my dad told me one day, so, you know, son, you're, you're pretty good in basketball, but I'm not getting any letters from Duke. I'm not getting any letters from Carolina. I've not seen any NBA scouts in your game. So you may well have a fallback plan just in case this basketball thing doesn't work out. So it's like, all right. So in high school, I've done a research paper about accounting. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be one of the most economically stable professions. So I chose it. And then I went to uh, Stephen F. Austin. Um, even though I was actually recruited by a pro- – you'll love this. I was recruited by a private college in Florida, but I didn't go to play basketball there because they're so strict. Men and women couldn't be in the same swim pool or elevators. Yeah. And you can only read the King James Bible. So I knew – uh, if I had shouted about ducking, I was going to get kicked out of school, so I didn't go there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I was an accounting major. Uh, I made homecoming court my junior year, which was which was a lot of fun. And uh, then I was recruited by Deloitte as, as an intern, summer 2001. Okay. I got my master's, worked for them. And then I worked for a couple Fortune 100 companies, McDermott. Abbott Laboratories in Chicago, travel the world. Uh, then I worked for Team Industrial Services, worked for CB&I. And in 2015, I realized that I was never going to get my full potential. So I went on my own, moved out to California, uh, set up my firm. Uh, so now this is year five, and now we operate our administrative headquarters is here in Austin, Texas. We have a big office out in San Diego. We have a small but growing presence out in Beverly Hills area and uh, now I have an employee Kirsty who helps me helps keep me for myself uh, save me saves me for myself excuse me mm-hmm. I have some great uh, support members and Ben Trevor uh, Damien so that's where I'm at okay awesome so uh, I, I like I like what you just said like the, one of the reasons why you got involved uh, in accounting is because you know of course, the basketball, that was the plan B for the basketball, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, somebody told you that, you know, accounting was kind of like a safe profession, you know? You know, what, what's, what's interesting is that I actually have an accounting background myself. <laughs> really? And, and it's uh, a little bit similar to yours, except for the basketball part, you know, because I, I can't really, I mean, I, I can't really play basketball like that. But my, my father was an accountant, too. And uh, one of the reasons why I got my degree was because I always thought, hey, if I get an accounting degree, I'm always going to get a job. But uh, three years after I graduated from college, I couldn't even get a job. And, yeah. and once I find my first job in accounting, I started working in accounting. I realized that it's a very uh, useful and important profession, but I wasn't good at it. <laughs> so, so coming yeah. from someone who's, who built his, his expertise in accounting, and becoming a CPA, which is a very, very, you know, reputable, you know, uh, uh, something to have as far as your credibility. Yeah. You know, uh, like, why would you say, what, why did you want to become a CPA? Because you could have just say, hey, I just want to be an accountant and this is it. But what got you into wanting to pursue your, your, your CPA certification? Uh, quite frankly, it was the money. Uh, so <clears throat> when I was in college, uh, I had learned that the the pay spread between professionals that did have the CPA designation 
and did not mm-hmm. was pretty drastic. And even now that I'm a practitioner, because uh, you know you don't have to have a CP license to do taxes. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize that. Yeah. But but because the choice I made way back then, it's an open doors for me to do things today that had I not gotten that designation, uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at in this career. I had other talents, and I think now some of those other talents are starting to show up because you know there was a time in Southern California I was on TV which allowed me, you know, since I do have to get to Gab, allowed me to use that mm-hmm. and actually allowed me to, to build my confidence to talk to anybody so I had to look right into the camera mm-hmm. and, and start talking to people, you know, interview people. So it brought out other skills, but without making that first choice, these other things don't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, you know, I'm sure you, you notice, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about the economy right now. You know, we have the, we have the crisis with student loan debt, right? We have a lot yeah. of people getting out of college. They can't even find a job. Or if they do find a job, you know, like pro- probably 40 to 30% of the income has to pay off for the, for the student loan debt, right? right? So people are looking for better solution, ways to make more money. You know, why would you encourage someone to you know, get into the accounting industry and, and become a CPA. What would you say, in your opinion, are the best thing about being a CPA? Is it more about, because you hear people say, oh, well, it's the career security, right? Like we said, or, yeah. or it's the prestige, prestige or respects or accolades, or some people say mm. money potential. What would you say is the most important thing uh, for someone considering getting into uh, the accounting industry? I would say two things. One, if you're going to do this, you have to love doing it, okay? So whether you're a CPA or you're a teacher mm-hmm. or a doctor, do what you like doing. Do what you are also called. Now, and, and that said, your calling may change mm-hmm. over time. You know, my calling to be an entrepreneur was given to me about nine years before I actually did it. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't mature enough to receive it because I was scared of the thought of being an entrepreneur. So I don't, I guess I'll share this part of my story. Um, oh gosh. Go ahead, please. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it's been 14 years, but mm-hmm. around 2006, uh, when I was working for McDermott, I had a British supervisor named Matt Gannon, who's, he's one of my best friends today. Uh, so, you know, here's this British white guy. He pulls me aside. You know, that time in my life, I say a lot of stupid things and, so I thought he pulled me aside thinking, oh, gosh, what, what dumb thing did I say today? He mm-hmm. says, you know, Eric, um, you're too smart for everybody around here. You need to go on your own, build your own business, you'll be much happier and wealthier. And at the time, I was insulted because I had this ideal of working up the corporate ladder and being like a CEO, CFO, and, you know, having all this company stock. And then two more people told me that same thing you know, over a period of four or five years. And so uh, I didn't realize the gift I had. Hmm. And so if you're not sure what gift you have, find the people that are closest to you that could be objective with you. Don't necessarily go to the yes people. Mm-hmm. But you got to love it. And then if you do choose to be that, one thing I would suggest mm-hmm. is because the job market is so, how do I say, it's it's changed from you know I graduated in 2003 so if you had a, a good business degree 
you could get a good job, a good mm. paying job. You know, in my first before time, the economy I, collapsed. Right. This is before. Well, a little bit after, after 2001. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was in college 9/11. That was very scary because I wasn't sure if I, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to have a job after 9/11. Mm-hmm. But uh, before 2008, if you had, a, you know, counter degree, you know, good, you know, good grades, and you didn't stick your foot in your mouth, you could, you know, you may not get the big four, but you can at least work for Exxon Mobil in Houston, Chevron, and Shell. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of big companies, but today's changed. So I'd recommend to have a side business um, because now I have a client. He's 20, I think he's 22 years old, African-American kid. And he went through college and he has an Amazon business and he does currency trading. And he says, I don't want to work for anybody ever. <laughs> and it was easy. And he doesn't have the college debt that other people have. So mm-hmm. I recommend today, regardless of profession, you should have at least a side business because the job market is not the same. And with automation, automation is even impacting my industry. So I've, I've had to pivot. You know, mm-hmm. when I first started my business, I basically did tax returns, but now I do advanced tax strategies, you know, financial statements. Um, I'm about to get a series 66 and get into wealth management. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it's because automation is going to put a lot of people in my industry out of business. So if that, if you're not willing to pivot and have a second pitch, you can't just have one pitch anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like Justin Verlander's got two, three great pitches. You have to have two, three great pitches today just to survive mm-hmm. in today's economy. So yeah. that's what I would say, you okay. know, have a side business, you, you know, it's easy. It's easy to start Amazon. I don't have one, but you can have an Amazon business. Um, and then it's really easy. Now you can even start up a small tax business uh, after school. And a lot of people, you know, my firm's a little more established. We're not expensive, but you could be a lower price service provider and make an extra 10, 20, $30,000 why are you working for the man? Because the man is not hiring as many people as they used to. So that's mm. what I recommend. And that's why I wish I had done. Yeah. That, and that makes, that makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, I like what you said about, you know, regardless of your profession right now, if you have a job or if you're not happy with the income that you have to make, you know, you can start a part-time business. You don't have to quit your job, right? To do that. No. And then, you were CPA yourself. There, there are also great tax benefits from having a part-time business, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I know, I know two people that, that work for me. Uh, they have corporate jobs. I'm not going to say who they are because, you know, I don't know if the boss is watching. Yeah, yeah. But I know guys who, and they have six-figure jobs, and they work for me, and they work for other people. And they're able now to double income. And now it's allowed them to, you know, invest in the real estate mm-hmm. and also build a legacy for family because they've seen how fragile the world is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when I, when I graduated from college with an accounting degree, even though, you know, I was looking for a job, I was trying to like get my, my foot into the door. My brother-in-law was actually a, a, a tax preparer, right? So he introduced me to, he basically showed me how to file people tax return. So I was doing it as, as like 
some something of a part-time thing. I was helping a lot of my friends in individual taxes, people that have a 1099 and things like that. I don't do anything uh, like as far as business taxes, like you right. like that. But I, I realized that even, even doing that, there's so much opportunity to make extra money on the side. Cause it's so many, it's, it's, Sometimes it's the things that might be simple to me or you because we have an accounting degree. For some people, they, they don't have the knowledge for it. Yeah, yeah, so, you're absolutely right. You'd be surprised how many people still make mistakes on a basic W-2 return with TurboTax or HR block, and it tells you what to do. Yeah. And, and those two companies um, even have software now where a lot of employers have things that your W-2 uploads yeah. into the system. Mm -hmm. so it's, you as long as you put the EIN number, they can just yeah prefills. But so many people don't have that financial education; they still get it wrong. Because I think every year Americans overpay about two to three billion dollars in taxes a year. Oh my god! So there's always an opportunity, even if you don't want to. You know, if you're not going to be a full time practice, if you're going to be a full time practitioner, you should be doing corporate taxes. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to do it part time. There's still an opportunity to help individuals because, you know, a lot of people now have uh, rental income, a lot more people doing Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of complexities there that the general public, they don't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, let's, let's switch gear here for a little bit. So uh, obviously, you know, for some of the people that are listening to right uh, mm -hmm. to the, to the, to the episode right now, a lot of people have a lot of questions as far as, you know, things that you need to know in order to file your taxes, question about taxes. So I have a couple of questions here. These are like four, these are the most common questions with Forbes magazine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I know that I need an accountant, right? I file, it's time to file my tax return. You know, I, I receive my W-2, my, my 1099 and all of my, mm -hmm. you know, the, the paperwork that I need. How do I know that I need, I need an accountant? Can I just go online and do it myself? When is the right time to have an accountant? You know, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a few things that I may not hit everything about how do I need an accountant. So mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're a W-2 person and you earn, let's say, 200000 and up, you should get an accountant. Because okay. now you have, there's tax strategies that level and up. Uh, even if you make, even if you you don't have to be millionaire, but the strategies out there for people that earn families that earn two, three hundred thousand dollars a year and up mm -hmm. to get you know significant Schedule A deductions. Um, if you own a rental property, you should have an accountant. Okay. If you're an Uber driver, you should have an accountant. Uber, Lyft driver, mm -hmm. uh, side business, you should have an accountant. If you have a small business. Um, you should have an accountant. So those are basically the criteria. And for the small businesses, once you start making fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars, you should go get a, a CPA. If you have a very small business and you're starting out, you could get away with using, you know, HR Block, um, Jackson Hewitt, Liberty, uh, starting out. But once you start bringing in some real revenues, you want to switch to a CPA. Your CPM. Okay. Okay. So, so from what you said, if you have a, if you're doing Uber or Lyft, if you're making over $200,000 a year and, and if That's you, a W2, yeah. and then if you have a rental property, 
it's a good thing to have a CPA to help you with that. Absolutely. My next question is, um, you know, a lot of times people don't really remember the, this whole thing about the withholding, right? The W. Yeah. Right? Uh, I, I, Sometimes I get, I get that question a lot too. When, when is a good time to put zero? When, when is a good time for, to put one or two? And, and that's for the allowance, right? Yeah, those are going to be your, your allowances. Now, that's going to depend on your situation. Uh, so I can't give uh, a general rule of thumb because then I'll have people suing me. Okay. <laughs> but what we don't want to do that. We don't want to do right, that. Right, right, right. So uh, disclaimer, this is going to depend on your individual situation. You know, mm -hmm. so number – now, what I can tell you is, you know, the number of allowances dictates – how much or how little taxes you need withheld. But most people don't realize that you can change that throughout the year. Mm -hmm. You're not just doing it once and that's it. Mm -hmm. you know, now, a client of mine, we just did his W-4 together, he's my client, and you know, we were able to figure out that he, you know, his tax situation, some people need to have a lot withheld because they may vote the IRS past taxes, they're trying to get ahead. Some people don't need as much withheld because they may have a side business or they're getting deducts, you know, if you're doing a lot of charitable giving. So if you're not sure, you know, spend $100, $150, or $250 with a CPA, go over it with them, consultation. I mean, we'll do it, but, you know, some of your people uh, watched and they're already working with a great CPA that they should do that consultation, ask that question and uh, get it figured out because the last thing you wanna do is overpay and get a refund. Because a lot of people make a big deal about a refund. The problem is the refund is an interest-free loan to the government. And then as you've seen some years, the government is late on issuing refunds. And there've been times in our lifetime, like for instance, the state of California, there were years that people didn't get refunds for six months. They had to issue those IOUs because they were broke. Mm. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. So, so the I guess the 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 highest the, the higher the number zero means that you I can just, take out more taxes. Yeah. Say that again. So zero. If you have zero withholdings, that means that you can take. They're going to take out more taxes on your paycheck. Got it. So the higher the number, the lo the less withholdings. Then that, that means that means you you might end up getting more of your ref, more money on your refund. Uh, potentially, yeah. Now, if you're depending on a your couple million dollars a year, you may actually have to continue to contribute more money. Okay, that's where you need an accountant because at okay. certain income levels, once you start getting to the one uh, percent, mm -hmm. which I think in taxes, I think it'll be one percent. You think you make what two hundred eighty thousand a year? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you'll need an accountant. Okay. Okay. So next question. So um, next question says, I'm married, but I want to file my taxes as married filing separate because my spouse, my spouse and I like to keep our finances separate. Is that okay? What do you have to say about that? Um, it's up to the married couple. Uh, there are some situations that it's more advantageous. Uh, the, you know, the tax code overall today versus maybe 10 years ago, it's not as advantageous to marry and file separate, but uh, some couples have a situation where one of the spouses has a lot of medical bills, so it's more advantageous. One of the spouses may make significantly more. Um, so, you know, I, it's hard for me to comment, but I have clients that do both. 
You can also do an analysis to see which one's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, had a, I, I had one married couple. They got into a big fight. And so we just did married found separate for the secular marriage. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, what about, because I know sometimes, because uh, I remember a situation where a friend of mine filed his taxes with his wife. And then um, I think he had some uh, student loan payment that was due. Yeah. So, so the IRS ended up just taking a portion of his money out of out of their whole tax return. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah, so if you're married to uh, somebody that owes the IRS a lot of debt, mm-hmm. you may want to file separate so that your refund is not eaten into it. So because of the community property, laws that the IRS implements when you do marriage filing joint. So that's another thing. So obviously, you know, I'm not a marriage counselor, but if you're going to get married, you should understand where your partner's finances are. Mm-hmm. But not everybody discloses everything or sometimes the, the, the person they marry, they don't even realize that they owe money because there was a mistake made on the tax term. Mm-hmm. But if I was going to marry someone that owed the IRS at 20000 I may want to do marriage filing separate. Five separate, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And you're right. I mean, finance is—I don't understand why, but it's—it seems like it's one of those taboo topics, right? <laughs> Most people don't want to talk about it until it's too yeah. late. And it can cost a lot of money, especially if you end up just getting a relationship with someone. You don't talk about finances. There's no expectation, and a few years down the road, you get a big surprise. So. You know, yeah, I mean, people want to talk about anything, you know, sex, drugs, uh, whatever. <laughs> but when it comes to money, yeah. uh, particularly in the black community, people don't like talking about it, which yeah. is, yeah, I, it's actually one of the reasons why I got because, because, like I told you, I, I, I was an accountant when, when I realized that I wasn't really good at it, I kind of switched and got into financial services. So now I'm more of a life insurance, life insurance agent. So I help people, you know, set up for, for retirement and, yes. and things of that nature, you know. So I'm still in the, in the financial services industry, but just uh, properly with life insurance. And I was so, you know, amazed to see, like, the, the difference, even the, in, the, uh, in, in the black community, the white community, the, the Hispanic community. Oh. Minorities don't have enough life insurance don't have it don't have enough saving don't have enough financial mm-hmm. education so that was one of the reasons why i got involved because i say hey there's opportunity to make money and it's opportunity to help my people too yeah no, you're absolutely right because even though i'm single and i don't have children mm-hmm. uh, i have a permanent life insurance policy myself because you know the um i don't know Every time someone dies now, you're seeing a GoFundMe asking for ten thousand bucks for a funeral. Now, now my family, mm-hmm. um, they're well off. However, I don't think that I want to put that burden on them. Absolutely, for my funeral, and if I have any, you know, any outstanding debts with the life insurance, you should have it because one, if you don't have it, I actually think you're selfish. You know, mm-hmm. you should have it for your. That's family. true. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> There's so you know when people die, and you know what. It, there's a guarantee we're all going to die at some point. It's scary. Mm-hmm. But when you die, there is so much chaos going on trying to get your funeral, trying to find your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have any sort of wealth, you should have some sort of estate plan. But a minimum, there's no reason why that, you know, you could get term insurance for like $30, $40 a month yeah. to have two, three $300,000 of coverage. And people, why that's expensive, these same people want to spend, 
you know, $200 uh, every Friday and Saturday night at the domain down the road from where I'm at right now. But if you were to carve out just a little bit, Mm -hmm. you have a chance to at least protect your family uh, in case something happens. And then obviously, you know, whether you're getting a permanent or not, that's a different story. But Mm -hmm. at least have a term life insurance so that at least they can pay for your body to be in a box because the other day I got an email, some, uh, unfortunately, um, a young man got shot at a Freebirds in Austin and they're raising $10,000 to have the funeral and take care of some basic bills. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. the young man, I can tell they didn't have life insurance, otherwise they wouldn't have. Anything, yeah. yeah. And, and it's a very tragic story. Yeah. It very, and it was very well respected in the community. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lack of education, Pierre. It's, it's a lack of education and a lack of, uh, I think also, uh, in, 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 in the life insurance industry, it's a lack of uh, representation too. Because if you look at the, the average age of a life insurance agent in America today is a 59-year-old white male. Yeah. So, so it's an industry that most people that are in the industry and they're getting ready to retire. It's not a lot of women. It's not a lot of minorities. It's not a lot of people looking like me and you. Right. So because it's, there's that lack of representation, you know, the, the community also doesn't have the people to help them with that. So this it's a big need. So, so yeah, that's, that's a good point. I like that. So next, next, um, next question is, uh, what receipts should I be saving throughout the year so I can write them off? You know? Okay. Uh, wow. That's a great question. That's a great, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very broad now. Uh, for you W2 people, there's really not much for you to keep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still maybe will get some of the sales tax, credits but you should always at least keep a copy of property tax bills um more, uh you'll get your mortgage interest statement uh and then your charitable res- uh, charitable giving you should always keep that because that's one of the charitable giving is one of the, the most highly scrutinized uh items on a 1040 because a lot mm-hmm. of people are trying to cheat that because now under the new law you can uh write off up to 60 percent of your income Oh, wow. And then now, if you're in business, it's going to depend. Because, for instance, meals under $75, you're not required to keep a receipt. But you want to keep a, excuse me, documentation on your you know, equipment purchases, travel. Um, you know, if you pay employees who have payroll records. Mm-hmm. So it's going to depend on, you know, whether you're individual, if you're W-2 or you're in business. And what you're engaging but there are a lot of tools out there now on your phone that you can take pictures of everything if you're using quickbooks there's a program called hubdoc where you can take a picture of your receipt and it pushes what is it called hubdoc hubdoc yeah and so you can push receipts through from your uh phone to your quickbooks or zero um but at, at a minimum if you're doing charitable giving you want to keep records of your giving because you you may have to prove that the organization is a five one c three, you know, out in San Diego, there were people that gave to the organization that people did not do their homework and they did not realize was not a five one c three. Oh, okay. Yeah, the fa- yeah the founder uh, almost went to prison over that. He did not. Wow. Uh, it was actually uh, an African American. Uh, I won't say his name publicly, but yeah, he almost went to jail for that. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Do your homework. 
Yeah, you, you don't want to you don't want to play with uh, Uncle Sam's money. <laughs> oh no, no. Yeah. What about a uh, what about some um, uh, a way for people to track the mileage? Because that's another thing too. Okay. You know, because I know there are some uh, apps, but most people don't use it. Most people that I talk to, they're like, ah, I don't use the app, or blah, blah, yeah, blah. But the, yeah, but the app is so easy to use now mm-hmm. um, because if you use something like Mile IQ, it runs mm-hmm. in the background. Yeah. So you can turn it on. Um, you can also do the old school method of you take your odometer at the beginning of the year, reading, and then you read your odometer end of the year, mm-hmm. and then you take the difference, and then you can estimate your mileage for business. I mean, most of my mileage is business because, uh, you know, I live close to my office. Mm-hmm. I don't drive as much as I used to. When I first started, I drove, I drove, I drove everywhere. Uh, but, you know, people like realtors, pharma salespeople. Um, and it also depends, you know, if you have a company car. Mm-hmm. But use an app. It's so easy. And it just runs in the background. You don't even know it's running. Mm-hmm. Using the app. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, next thing, uh, I don't have, I don't have keys or mortgage. Are there any other big tax break that I can take advantage of? You know, you know, at the end, you know, at the beginning of the year, especially when people have children, you know, people really want that, you know, tax, that tax. I know, I, I know, trust me. I have some cousins <laughs> I wish I could borrow come mm-hmm. tax time, you know, child tax credit, $2,000 for kids that are under 17, I probably have four or five cute little baby cousins of the bar bigger in the year, but you know, my family's not that generous. They love me, but not that much. So um, if you want to borrow kids, <laughs> some of the big tax breaks now, it's, it's gonna depend on your income level. Cause you know, for instance, if you make a lot of money, uh, you can invest in a conservation easement and get a deduction of three to four times your investment. So, you know, if you make 300,000, you contribute 50,000, the IRS allows you to get up to $200,000 deduction. Mm-hmm. So that's one example. Um, there are other, you can invest a certain trust that give you these tax deductions, but that's to be a case by case basis. So I, it's hard for me to say. Um, in regards to income, one thing you can always do, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. So at the minimum, you can at least always give to a charity, particularly since today that with a new standard deduction rules, that charity charitable giving went down. You can always give money to your favorite charity or your church or, or mosque or whatever. As long as they're 501c3, make sure they are. You can always donate money there. That's one of the easiest ways to lower your taxes. Okay, yeah. I guess that's what you, you got a lot of people, you got some people resenting the rich. They're like, oh yeah, because I was having a conversation with someone. Oh, and, gosh. Yeah. and I was telling them that Bill Gates, some, I, think, I think the person was saying, yeah, nobody should be worth a billion dollars. Nobody should be making oh. Why, why? And then I said, well, and then, and then the person was saying something bad about capitalism. And then I said, well, Bill mm-hmm. Gates, he's a capitalist. Warren Buffett is a capitalist. Mm-hmm. It's a couple of other billionaires that are capitalists, but all of these people, they, I'm not saying they're the perfect person in the world, but they give more money to charities than anybody else. Absolutely. They do a lot of charitable giving. And also, mm-hmm. um, I think it missed over because I have wealthy clients, so I'm not necessarily speaking on behalf, but they do pay a lot of taxes. And mm-hmm. 
the thing that I'm tired of with that argument mm-hmm. is that, you know, these people that are wealthy took some chances that most people are not willing, you know, if you hear Elon Musk's story, Elon Musk, he built PayPal, okay? You remember mm-hmm. he got two, three hundred million. He he almost lost it all building Tesla. He had zero dollars hmm. at one point after that sale. Took a lot of risk. Took a lot of risk. You know, Jeff Bezos didn't make a dime for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And um, and so these guys are people that are willing to take significant risk. They're mm-hmm. often actually investing in their communities. You know, they're creating jobs, um, and then they're paying a lot of payroll taxes. Uh, but most people don't understand their tax was so low because you know, our tax code as designed right now rewards you for putting capital investments into your businesses because the whole point is that if you're a business owner, the IRS loves you Mm -hmm. because they're going to give you incentives for you to grow your business so you can hire more people so they can take taxes from your workers and not you. Mm -hmm. And and also, you know, I, I got into debate with someone close with and they were talking about you know, politicians. And the thing that I'm getting tired of that talk is that a lot of these politicians talk about raising taxes, but if you look at their tax terms, they're taking all the tax strategies that my clients pay me for, but they want to take your money to pay for their lifestyle. Hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, it's such a big debate about, I think a lot of, this is my personal opinion, right? And, you know, people can say whatever they say about what I think. I think, it comes, it comes from uh, not all of them, but some people that just, I guess, want to resent the rich uh, because maybe they just don't want to appreciate the, the effort and the sacrifice that those people took to get where they were. They are. And maybe yeah. they're looking at that and like, oh, I can never be like this person. So the only way for me to kind of like confront them is to say something bad about them. But if you really understand like this, this all, even the, the tax code, like you mentioned, the tax code was created to help, to encourage business owners, you know? Correct. The tax code was, I mean, your, your parents are immigrants. People don't come to America to, you know, uh, people come to America to have that opportunity to use the tax code, the, the free enterprise, all the system. And if you didn't, we didn't have that, I mean, if, if, if we were like a socialist country, what's the point of, you know, uh, busting your butt for like 10 years, build your business, and then have the government come and take all the money from you? It, it, exactly. And you made a great point because, you know, all my clients that are high net worth, they took some real chances and some of them were really poor. You know, I have clients that, that are millionaires today, but there was a time that they were living in small apartments with three, four, five other people. Uh, I believe you. Uh, they okay. said 83% of, of uh, self-made millionaires uh, are not coming from a family of, of money. They've all no. self-made millionaires. 80%, 83% of millionaires are self-made in America. That's right. And mm-hmm. they just kept grinding and grinding. And, you know, I could start for running a business. And my business run a lot last five years that the, the, the sacrifices that I've made I, you know, whenever I get to where I want to get to, I, I would ignore it, but I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't appreciate someone said I'm greedy without them knowing, you know, the, the money I've invested in my business, the money I've invested into people working for me. You know, I've, I've hired a lot of minorities to help me grow my business, but most people don't know that. 
but they'll assume I'm just stealing people's money, manipulating the government, and you know the, that kind of talk. You you just can't. You kind of have to tune it out. Yeah, most people that's, that say that are people that they're they're not they're not about, and you know, and not everybody's meant to be wealthy. And what one person can and say, and it's okay, mm -hmm. right? Well, yeah, you know. Some days I wish I didn't have the temperament to be an entrepreneur because some days I'm exhausted and I'm so tired I can't even stand up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what am I doing? But, you know, just whatever you're, 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 you know, if you feel like you're not doing better, you should ask yourself why. Instead of, you know, being envious at mm -hmm. Bill Gates and Byron Allen and Damon John and, you know, the you know, these kind of people. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, like you said, if, if you feel like you're not doing better, you just, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and see what needs to change. All right. So I got a couple more questions for you, Pierre, before I let you go. Uh, one of them is, have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur or work for yourself and why? I did not always want to be an entrepreneur. You didn't? <laughs> no, no. Okay. I was always scared of taking that risk of, uh, losing it all and you know it's funny it almost happened to me not too long ago but mm -hmm. i got out of that but yeah no i didn't i wanted to um you know be comfortable work for that cush corporate job and tell everybody else what to do mm -hmm. but i realized one day it wasn't meant to be but looking back i think i had the entrepreneurial spirit because in high school uh i was sacking groceries but then i used to mow yards Okay. To make I would advertise in the neighborhood to mow yards. And then, you know, I did different things. So mm -hmm. it was probably, I just didn't realize that that was my true calling. Mm -hmm. But I figured out because I never enjoyed working in a corporate environment where I had to conform to certain, the certain norms, to rules and being told I have to be in the office at eight. I have to ask permission to take a vacation. Mm -hmm. uh, this and that and I'm not knocking people that do uh, those jobs because there's some people I know they mm -hmm. love those environments it's just like it's yes. all set up for me I know when I come in I know when I leave I know my vacation I get my money every two weeks if that's you stay there yeah. <laughs> okay? stay mm -hmm. don't, don't try to be an entrepreneur to prove something yeah. if you're going to be an entrepreneur you want to be an entrepreneur because you, you, you have a problem that you can solve that's not being solved right now. Because if you do it just for the money, no people that do business with you are going to see right through it and they're not going to touch you. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. If you knew what you know now, you know, if you knew then what you know now, what would you have done differently? Um, hmm. Well, I guess I can say a few things. So, one, I would have probably transferred to University of Texas after my senior year at Stephen F. Austin mm -hmm. and got my grad degree there uh, because, you know, a school like that, uh, where I see the alumni and the access, I would have uh, may have gotten some better opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, uh, when I was in grad school, I had an opportunity to sign with an agent and try out for basketball in Europe. And so at the time, when it was offered to me, I didn't believe in myself. Mm. And I thought that she had to be almost NBA quality 
Then five years later, I take a trip to Amsterdam for business. I go to a professional basketball game, and I was shocked. I was like, whoa, stupid. <laughs> if I had gotten the tape, I could have made a couple hundred. Yeah, I had, a, I had a good agent. Yeah, you know, there weren't that many six, eight guys playing overseas and could have made, you know, a couple hundred thousand a year for a few years. Mm-hmm. And so that would be my second regret. You know, and then the third regret would be, um, I wish I'd started as an entrepreneur 10 years earlier. 10 years earlier. Okay. After I, I left Abbott and I traveled the world, that was probably the best time in my life to do it because I didn't have as much to lose. Hmm. That would have been, uh, you know, I was 28 years old. The economy was bad. That probably would have been the best time to take chances. Because then we're like, okay, well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And, you know, when you're younger, you don't know any better, and you just go all in. So mm-hmm. those are my three big regrets. So for someone uh, listening to uh, or maybe watching the video or listening to the podcast right now, and, and someone who's maybe working out a job, they're not very happy, right? They think they want to be an entrepreneur. They want to be an entrepreneur. They want to go out there and do something else. What would your advice to them be? Because I know you mentioned you got to love what you're doing and yeah. you can't just be about the money. You got to be about, it's got to be about helping people. But what, what's, what's another advice you would give to someone right now that's working at a job they're not happy at, but they want to be an entrepreneur. They want to go out there and do something. Yeah. Them. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I've been in that situation. I've worked a few jobs I didn't care for mm-hmm. uh, that I took for the money. Um, I would say if you're going to start a business, because being an entrepreneur is capital intensive, I would say start, start your side business now while you have a job, Mm. start saving your money. Uh, I would now, if you're married, you need to have your spouse buy in. You cannot, if you're married, you cannot do this without a buy-in from your spouse or Mm -hmm. it's going to go bad. So you need to have a chat with your uh, spouse. I would recommend also create a vision board of what you want your life to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I learned, so um, I, had a, I had a girlfriend in LA and uh, she gave me a book called The Secret. And, you know, it's like, this, this, this is corny. Like, why do you want me to read this? <laughs> and, you know, our relationship lasted, you know, five, six months. But, you know, what I read was about, you know, a vision board. And in Habakkuk 2.2 says, uh, write a vision and make it plain. And so I created my first vision board of things that I wanted. And some of those things actually happened. And so with the vision board, you know, it, 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 can, it can change. But you want short, long-term goals that you can see and put it somewhere where you have to walk by every day. Mm. because now it's going to give you a focus and it's going to encourage you to be creative, you know? So, uh, one of my goals is a really high financial goal. Uh, we weren't close to meeting it last year, but despite that, the past two years, my revenue doubled and then last year it increased an extra 45%. So we're closer to that big goal, mm-hmm. but without that vision board, you know, and then say your goal is high. If you're going to get into it, 
most people don't achieve anything in life because they set low goals, set high goals, aim for the, aim for the stars because you at least will land on the moon. That's right. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Eric, I really, really appreciate your time here, man. Thank you for taking time to, you know, be on the show with us today. Um, before we let you go, where can people find you? We, you know, because we've connected on, 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 on uh, <laughs> but where can people find you, have access to your information? Okay, that's a great question. Mm. On Instagram, you can follow my firm. It's uh, Pierre Accounting, so you can find out on Instagram. Okay. Um, you can follow me personally at your favorite CPA. Um, our company website is www.pierreaccounting.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can also call us at 512-900-8293. So, and then if you want to email me personally, uh, you can email me eric at pierreaccounting.com. Okay. And so Eric, uh, I have your email. So I'll make sure I leave a notes. And you say yes. 512-900-8293? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. I'll make sure I leave a notes in the comment for, for the episode so people can have access to you and um, call you if they have any questions or go to your website for to schedule a consultation. Again, everybody, right. com, And the number is 512-900-8293. That's any correct. last any last piece of advice uh, advice eric before we let you go yes life is short mm -hmm. shoot your shot and make it your best shot you only get one life you're not going to get another don't tell me about this reincarnation stuff <laughs> <laughs> um make it count make it count i'd rather go for it and fail than to be my deathbed and wonder i wish i had done acts that's right i like that i like that a lot eric thank you very very much for your time man i appreciate you you being on the show we wish you the best of luck and uh, talk to you soon man all right thanks all right all right and uh just like usual thank you for listening to the 95 outside of podcast and if you even if you enjoy this episode right make sure to subscribe to this podcast and if it's your first time, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review on uh, any platform you're listening to, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever podcast you listen to. And um, let us know, you know what, it, what you think about the show. And if you like it, follow me on social media. I'm, in, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. You can find me at Usman Diallo TX. And um, yeah. Glad to have you on the show today and I will see you on the next episode. And remember, if you know more and you do more, you can become more.